You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Memorial Day. Hope you're having a great Monday. Uh, if you're in Indiana, hope you enjoyed the Indy 500. I'm recording this before the race, so I don't know who won, but I hope it was the guy you picked in your race pool because I hope everybody wins. Um, I had a pretty good Memorial Day weekend. It was a hoot. Um, but the racing is over and basketball's still going on, and I'm actually recording this in the middle of the day on Saturday, so I don't know if any of the series are over yet, even though they probably are, and I want to talk about them. Uh, and I want to talk about all Victor's awards. For those of you that haven't listened, or excuse me, haven't listened. For those of you that don't know, we were gonna, me and Adam were going to do a show today, but uh, we both had very busy holiday weekends, so we're going to probably do our weekly show Wednesday. Let's talk about those. Man, we're putting that off way too long. Um, but it'll still be fresh and fun, and you know he deserves a whole episode for winning or making first-team all-defense, which I was skeptical he would make any of the teams, and then he made it almost unanimously, so that's pretty cool. Um, and third team all NBA, which he was had the sixth most heat points for a guard, and pretty clearly over seven. So convincing awards for him, it's pretty awesome. But me and Adam will talk more about that and what it means and all that uh, on Wednesday. Today I'll do a player review because those are actually really fun. Uh, this is my first time doing one player without a guest, so I'm probably going to trip over my own words a hundred thousand times. Um, but I have to do my boy, right? Me and Adam had a draft for what players we wanted to do. Oh my gosh, I didn't introduce myself. If you're a new listener, I'm Tony East with the West Indianapolis Community News, one of the hosts of Locked On Pacers. Um, but I want to talk about Bojan Bogdanovic and his awesome first season in Indiana. Um, I love him, obviously. You guys have heard me preach all year about him. I remember, uh, I'm old enough to remember back in, what was it even, last July, and people were like, oh, gr is going to start over this guy, and... Or he's going to take his spot so quickly. This Boyan guy's stats aren't that impressive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The Pacers gave him $10 million, Like, they're going to start the dude. And they did. And then he was awesome. And then you all loved him because he was so good. And he was, you know, the leading scorer when Vic was out. He finished as the second leading scorer on the team, which people who don't follow the Pacers seem to not know. Um, I was actually on – someone suggested – I can't remember what it was for the – Oh, oh, Bleacher Report had an article that said the Pacers' dream free agent would be Rodney Hood – which, first of all, no. And second of all, the uh, justification was that they need wing scoring, and uh, they don't seem to realize that the two leading scorers for the team were on the wing, so that was pretty off-base, uh, and I think that's kind of a shot at Bojan. Like, wow, Rodney Hood even be better than him. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he outperformed that contract that we were all like, oh, he's going to be benched, but he outperformed it by a lot. You all loved him, and then the Celtic splendor happened, uh, which was a weird play, and you know what's funny about that play? Um, he deserves all the disdain for it, because it was a boneheaded play, but, you know, Corey Joseph, he had made, like, 13 free throws in a row, and he caught it first, and he could have done the same thing, and he gave it up, so like, it, it was just the circumstance of it actually happening to Bojan that made it his fault, but it is it is his fault, it's just, it's funny looking back on that play, um, and then he went on a slump, and it was all mental, and then he got out of it, and then he won the Pacers a playoff game, which was super cool. I mean, that's that was probably the most fun game of the season for me, personally. Both because I felt vindicated that I was right about how good he would be, but also because it was just super exciting. They, they came back on the heels of Bojan Bogdanovich playing unbelievable defense and offense. Um, and that's probably a good starting point for me, just in general, looking back on his year. Um, a lot of the stipulation and reasoning for the, the GR3 over Bojan camp was, oh, you know, gr is way better on defense, and I get that, that... That is something that I get why everyone thinks, and, um, you know, he's kept getting there on offense, and his overall picture better. Well, 
you know, Boyan wasn't good on defense. That's the wrong word. Um, but he was way better than he has been any other season. Uh, his defensive win shares, career high before this year, was 0.9. This year he got 1.6. Uh, he tied his best ever defensive box plus minus. He had a second best ever defensive rating, which I know it's a team stat, but he played for the Wizards and the Nets, who were both awful defenses before. So I'll give him credit for stepping up and playing better team defense. Um, and that does show something, um, even though it's not the perfect individual stat. But the other two are pretty good. Um, and he was just a lot better on that end of the floor this year. Um, he got more steals. He had a career-high steal rate. Uh, he just he was all over the place, and he, he did an okay job. Um, guarding whoever he could. I think, I don't know what um, the Dan Burke special is, like making guys use their size a little bit better on the wings. And, you know, you see that with GR3. He uses a lot. He, GR3 really learned to use his length last year. I think for Boyan, it was about using his body to be in front of guys instead of trying to shuffle his feet, like bump into them when they go past him, stuff like that. Um, he's, he's better at attacking. Uh, like, as soon as guys catch, I think one of the Pacers' biggest problems is they're bad at defending guys on the catch. But Boyan's okay at it. You know, he doesn't shuffle out too far. It's just as soon as they go to the side, he has to move laterally. He kind of struggles. Um, but that's kind of why LeBron was a good matchup for him because LeBron goes right at you a lot, and he is just so big and overpowering that it's impossible to stop him. But Boyan did a really good job, especially in that game where he changed the game uh, and he made him commit six turnovers in one quarter and he couldn't miss. Um, and that was awesome. And I think for him, the next the next step on D is obviously that lateral movement because then he'd be like a, an okay enough defender. And if he can shoot at the rate he does and be an okay enough defender, he'd be like one of the most valuable player types in the NBA. So, I mean, that'd be the sweetest uh, addition of skills ever. And I, it's it's hard to see it with him, or it's hard to like think of like this with him. But you know, when a guy's drafted, um, they they get four years on their rookie deal before they sign their first contract, and you still consider them like they can still develop at that point. I mean, not a lot, but a little bit. So Boyan just finished his fourth season. Like he got, he, The only reason he doesn't have a rookie deal is because he got drafted when he was uh, 25 from Europe and didn't come over for a year. Or no, he got, he, I don't remember how that worked. But, yeah, he got drafted in 2011, and he didn't even play till 2014. So, yeah, there was a big gap there. So he didn't sign a rookie deal, and then he's 25, so he could still learn NBA skills. From NBA coaches as time goes on. And another summer, you know, knowing where he's going to be, um, I'll get to why I think he'll be back later. But another summer like that could just be really helpful for his development on D. Uh, and, I, and I hope that that is something that comes for him, lateral movement especially. Um, but he always kind of knows where to be, which I like. So I, I think it'll come. Um, I don't know if it'll – you know, the problem is that he's 30. Okay, this is – well, sorry. He's coming season to age 29 season, but he's approaching 30. And – you know, I think 28, 29 kind of is like your athleticism is going away, but your IQ is going up. Um, but Boyan is still in like the young stage where his IQ can go up for sure, but his athleticism is waning faster than most guys who've only been in the league for years. So it's going to be a tough balance for him to strike of, you know, can he can he keep up with his IQ just long enough to be effective for like three more years? Um, and if he doesn't take any sort of step back at that, I mean, his game is not so reliant on athleticism, but the thing he is the worst at is so – you know, he, it could be something he needs, and it, it could be tough with his age, but I think it could come for him, and I hope it does, because then he'd be a beast. <laughs> um, but offensively is where his bread and butter is. You know that. You just watched him play a whole season. Um, and, you know, career high in scoring, 14.3 points per game. I already said second highest on the team this past year. Um, but that's kind of deceiving, because he also had a career high minutes per game. Uh, and per 36 minutes, his points were not the highest. So he was just scoring more because he was playing more. Um but at the same time, that's not a bad thing because he was incredibly efficient. Um, 
career high effective field goal percentage of 56.5. His highest before that was 53.2. Um, I believe career high true shooting percentage, yes, at 60.5. He's never been over 60 before. And 60 is like the hallmark of like, all right, you're very efficient. You know, that's that's the, the number to try to hit. It's like it's basically 1.2 points per shot uh, attempt, and he hit it. And, you know, a lot of that's because he's so money from the free throw line. You know, he's basically a 90%, 85% free throw shooter. Uh, he shot over 40% from three for the first time of his career. Uh, if it weren't for that terrible stretch in July, and, or July, wow, January and February, that number could have been even higher. Um, so he really got the efficiency going, and that made him so effective on offense. Um, but a lot of people just thought of him as like a shooter because Brooklyn was terrible when he played there, and you, it was hard to showcase your skills when no one's doing what they're like, their prototype is to do. They're just doing stuff because... It's a team of terrible players. And then in Washington, his role was just to be a shooter off of uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal, and he even came off the bench there. So he never really had the opportunity to create off the dribble, but this year he did it. You know, they I, I wrote about that curl set they run for him. Um, he, he can get to the rim. You know, he's got the skills to do it going downhill, and he can finish at the basket okay uh, from 0 to 3 feet this season. He shot 63.2%, which was his second best every year, uh, and that's a pretty good number. That's like actually a very good number so uh especially for someone of his size so that's really nice and it, it it opens up everything for him when you can't just plug on him on the outside you know if you get up too close on him he can get by you and he can finish uh and that's really that's really good for him but he's still that guy that you kind of thought with the you know the catch and shooting he's so good at that uh of his three pointers 94 percent were assisted which is a really good thing um and a lot of guys on the pacers have that as like a stat like a really high percent of their threes were assisted because they don't shoot off the dribble threes a lot which is a good thing um and he made 45.7 percent of his corner threes you know that's really good he's got the shooting going on um but what really changed it for him too is like he probably had the finishing at the rim he just never was given the opportunity to drive um but we saw him boost his mid-range shooting this year and that was like the full hallmark that he's a scorer because 46 percent from from 10 to 16 feet you know that's a bad shot statistically but you can hit it at that rate that's great and that's you know that would have been the best team in the league if they'd hit that rate from mid-range so that's a good number and he could really score from everywhere uh he he, he wasn't a guy you could hide people on and i feel like the pacers have had that in the past uh, like monte ellis can't shoot at all so they just hide people on him or gr3 wasn't polished enough so he'd get hided on but they didn't have that on the wing this year and that was really huge uh but the biggest thing is not something he does as a skill necessarily just something he brings by being who he is, and that is spacing. And it's hard to quantify. I know Nick Sharia. I don't know how to say his name. He's a smart basketball guy. Is his Twitter, uh, and he is a smart basketball guy. Uh, he created the spacing rate. This spacing rating statistic is really cool. I guarantee Boyan's is the highest on the team. Um, I want to look up his offensive rating, um, but I, it's got to be one of the highest um, on the team just because of the spacing he offers like lets everybody else do such a good job on offense, plus he's efficient and can score on his own. Uh, that kind of stuff is just super important, and I, you, you can't really, like, see it when you're watching unless you are good at not watching the ball, which if you want if you want to, like, learn more about basketball quickly, watching possessions without watching the ball is a good way to do it. But anyway, um, his offensive rating was uh, 106.7, so no, not the highest, um, but right up there with all the starters is the highest on the team. Uh Shout out to Darren Carlson for that. I should have assumed that one. But, yeah, he was awesome on offense, and he really helped everybody else gel and click. And, you know, when you're that efficient, it's good. When you can dribble, that's good. 
and uh, not a terrible passer. You know, turnover rate was a career high at 10.1%. His assist rate was uh, a, a second best of his career, I think, at 7.1%, maybe a third best. Um, still doesn't turn it over very much, which is great. Um, and he just makes a lot of positive plays on that end of the floor. That's where his, again, that's where his bread and butter really comes from. And why I think that was a perfect segue that he will be back next year. Um, you know, ten point five million dollar contract with uh, one point one million, one point five million. I can't remember which one. I always get him and DC's uh, partial guarantees confused. Um, so that's like, here's the thing: they're not gonna waive him. And his partial guarantee at all. There's just no way. He's an asset on his deal. He's a good player at a high-demand position. He has trade value even if they don't want to bring him back. So there's no way he'll get waived. Um, the question is, do they actually want him to start? Do they want him to come off the bench? Do they even want him to be on the team? That is a different discussion. Um, but I think, uh, actually, I'd probably say like 99% chance he'd be back on the team next year. Uh, both because he played so well that he deserves another chance to be around and because his skills are pretty valuable to what the team does. Um, but I do like the idea of him being a, a bench creator, you know, because he can dribble. And they love setting screens for him. I think he would fit really well with Domas on a bench unit if they still run him as the backup five next year. So I just think there's so many reasons that he'll be back, uh, especially that playoff game where he was so good. Uh, I know he struggled in a couple other playoff games, but um, he won you a game in a, in a series. Like, that's huge. And I and I, I don't think there's a way they would waive him. There's just no point. I'm, I mean, even if you could trade him for, like, a second-round pick and – a not terrible player like that still has an asset value like if he turns out to be bad and that's what they could trade him for you know uh, I'm not s- suggesting that at all that would be a stupid trade right now but it, like if he sucks all season and then that's a thing what well, anyway um but yeah you can shoot and that'll that'll make him valuable and uh, the Pacers are really good at shooting threes they have been for a long time now they need guys to do it so I think he'll be I'm almost positive he'll be back um and I still think he'll be the starter because I'm not sure. I don't know, actually, unless they sell their souls, basically, for a starting wing with their cap space. Um, but I'm pretty sure they'll sign some role players, and then Boyan will be the starter at the three next year. So get ready for more of um, the streakiness of Mr. Bogdanovich. Um, but overall, very positive player. Uh, not very. A, a net positive player uh, just because he shoots really well and doesn't turn the ball over, which is all you can really ask for of a three-point shooter on the wing is not turning the ball over. And if his defense gets a little better, he'll be a heck of an effective player and a pretty good fit next to uh, that Victor Oladipo guy, who, again, we'll talk about later in the week in his awards. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Locked On Pacers podcast. Again, we'll be back Wednesday with uh, a Victor Oladipo awards show. And I think Friday, Adam will do a Lance Stevenson season recap. Uh, who doesn't like Lance Stevenson? That would be weird. Um so be on the lookout for that. Um, again, hope you're all enjoying your Memorial Day, or if you're listening after Memorial Day, I hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day. Um, thank you for listening, and have a great week.